Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we are having conversations that matter for wherever the military has taken you. We're bringing you stories from real military spouses who not only understand the challenges, they are harnessing the opportunities to build lives they can love. From new spouses to veteran spouses, you'll get tips, tricks, and actionable steps that will help you along your military life journey. Welcome everyone, this is Heather Campbell, and we are so thankful that you have joined us on the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we dive into the uniqueness of the military family journey by helping you build a life, a community, and a home you love when you are not in control of where you will call home next. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are going to dive right in. We're gonna be talking about the Military Tenant Bill of Rights. I know, super, super exciting topic, but to recap the last couple of episodes, if you haven't been able to catch them, We did a three-part series on legislative action, specifically why we as military community members, whether you're a service member, whether you're active duty, you're retired, you're a veteran, you're a family member, you're a community member, there are a lot of things to know about the legislative process and specifically how it impacts us as a military community. If you didn't know, quick recap, the government and Congress dictates what pay will be for military families, what housing allowances look like what pay raises look like, what TRICARE benefits look like, what the governing rules on anything defense-related every year. Currently, there's a quality of life panel. There's lots of different things to know. And you know, when you think about defense and when you think about military, you kind of think Department of Defense, but actually a lot of the military is controlled by Congress. And a lot of those rules and parameters come from them being handed over to the Department of Defense saying, hey, here's your rules, right? So that's a quick recap. Now, the reason we're going to recap that as we jump into today's topic, the Military Tenant Bill of Rights, is because this Bill of Rights came from, you guessed it, legislative action, right? So if you go back, listen to those three parts, um, I think it's three episodes right in a row, and it's each one's a little bit different about, you know, what is legislative action? When should we be involved? What should we know? What are the big things to be involved in? And then here is a perfect example of how we've seen legislative action work for positive, right? So if you didn't know, the Tenant Bill of Rights is a memorandum, I guess you could call it. It, It's a, a bill of rights that not necessarily like the Constitution, but it is specifically for military families. It came through the Department of Defense to ensure that families who are serving in the military are being protected. Now, to give you a little bit of history, housing was typically run by the military. So on installations or even the off-installation housing, you know, that sort of belonged to the the military housing that wasn't behind the fence, those were governed by military agencies. And a few years ago, the military at large handed over a lot of those after just sort of testing it out a few bases and handed it over to privatized companies. So now there are typically military-built homes. So they were built at some point when they were still owned by the military. Some have been built since then. And now they're being governed by private for-profit companies. Now, that's important to remember, for-profit companies. These companies exist to make a profit. What are they making a profit off of? Managing homes, being a property manager, managing homes that military members live in. Now, here's the tricky part. Military members, when they live in the military housing, do not get their housing allowance. You just, you don't get it. It goes straight to the company. So when you hear about an emergency pay raise, right? Like, oh, hey, that location's really expensive. We're going to do an emergency pay raise. This happened in a quarter four of 2022. If you lived in privatized housing in one of those locations, you literally didn't see a dime of that. You know who did? The company that manages your home. So if you have a company that's, say, 
we'll say manages 100 homes. And those 100 homes got an average of a $500 increase. You can do the math, 500 times 1,000. That's how much they got of an increase per month for quarter four, right? Now, what's interesting is for those families specifically, there was no increase in like quality of living. You know, the housing company didn't come build like a screened in porch or come fix your broken appliances, that sort of thing. So with that, it's important to know, again, that this housing allowance, when you live on base or when you live in base housing, you don't see the housing allowance at all. And also this company is profiting off of running the homes. Now, what we saw happen since a lot of housing went privatized and it took a really long time to get this story out there was essentially they weren't doing their job. I know any of you who lived in the military for any length of time are shocked that somebody was not doing things the way they were supposed to be done. However, the fact remains that we had families that were living in homes that were in really, really bad states of disrepair. So we're talking mold, we're talking unsanitary conditions, repair requests being ignored, concerns being silenced, retribution, withholding of rent, outlandish fees that were sort of trapping family members, right? So this was really, really bad. So finally, after not having a voice, after these private companies were having little recourse, there was retribution for people trying to speak up. There were families who were unable to fight back. Finally, in 2019, there was a story that broke exposing some of these problems. And then Congress got involved, right? And they're like, hang on, let's look at this. Now, that is where we get the Tenant Bill of Rights. So that sort of all evolved into Congress stepping in and saying, okay, we need to look at this. We need to look closer. And so now the Department of Defense has this Bill of Rights. Interestingly enough, the Military Family Advisory Network found in a study that was released in 2021 that only about 40% of military tenants and military families were even aware that the Tenant Bill of Rights existed, and less than 10% had even used it, right? So this is really important that this was created to help protect these families, but not a lot of people know. It's better now in 2023, but at the time that this data came out, the majority of people kind of knew about it, but nobody was really using it. There were still a lot of people who didn't know. So That is sort of to give you a little bit of background on legislative action, how Congress gets involved in things like this, and where the Tenant Bill of Rights came from. Now, we are going to pause right here before we start listening to what all of the Tenant Bill of Rights are so that you can be informed, and we are going to hear a quick message from today's sponsor, Navy Mutual. Trust is everything. For 140 years, Navy Mutual has been safeguarding your family and your future. Navy Mutual's financial strength and stability ensures they'll be there when you need them the most. They are there to provide members high quality, low cost life insurance and annuities, educate the military and uniform service community at large on matters of financial security, and to help members secure their earned survivor benefits. With commitment, competence, and character, for Navy Mutual, it's all about trust. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now, remember, we talked a little bit about what is the Tenant Bill of Rights, Where did it come from? Why do we have it? Why was there a need to create a specific document saying, hey, if you live in privatized housing, here's your rights. Here's how you're being protected. Okay. So this is what they are. Now there are 18 on the current Bill of Rights. They are always being reviewed and all of our legislative bodies and our DOD leadership are constantly listening to feedback. So if this needs to be amended in the future, One, make sure that you're providing that feedback, but two, it will be updated. But as of right now, in late 2023, these are the main points. Now, I'm not going to read them word for word, but I am going to go through these because if you've never heard of this, it's important to know. And you can, if you want to pull it for yourself, first of all, if you live in privatized housing, it should be available to you. 
your company should give it to you when you move in. If you don't already have it, you didn't know about it, you can request it. They are legally bound to give it to you. So that's really fun. So you can get a copy of it or you can just uh, search it, you know, in your favorite search engine and you can pull that up right away. Just search military tenant bill of rights and you will find it. Okay, again, there's 18. I'm gonna summarize these for you, right? You're gonna get paraphrased. Number one is that you have the right to housing that meets health and environmental standards. So that's important, right? Like you don't get a gross, decrepit house. You have the right to a house that meets health and environmental standards. You have the right to a housing unit where everything works, the lights, the appliances, the utilities, and that the common areas are maintained, right? So we don't have parks and dog parks or sidewalks or green spaces that are just being poorly maintained and and not cared for, right? So you have the right to not only your actual structure being maintained well, but your neighborhood to be maintained well. Also, the right of, this is my favorite, of the summary of the maintenance that has been performed on the property for the last seven years. So you can ask for that. You should get it when you sign your lease. But if you haven't gotten it, you can ask for it and say, hey, housing, I would like a copy of the maintenance records for my address. And they are legally bound to give that to you. And then you can see that, oh, hey, this faucet that I keep calling you guys about actually has been called about a lot. I can see that. But one of the things they found previously was that as tenants were turning over, those concerns weren't being carried over, right? So you would call and say, hey, this, this front door doesn't lock. Oh gosh, that's so weird. We've never had a problem with it before. When it turns out, the previous tenants had complained about the door not locking, right? So now there's a record that is kept of all of those calls, of all of those maintenance repairs, and you can get that to see what things are trending in your home. I currently live in military housing, and in my report, it talked a lot about insects and like spiders and ants. And so that's something I'm keeping an eye on now that we live in military housing to say, hey, if I notice that this is a problem, I've seen in the records, this has been something in the past, I'm gonna keep an eye on it, especially as we have different changes in weather, I'm gonna make sure that I'm keeping an eye on insects in the home because I know that it's been called on before, right? Okay, so those are the first three. Number four is you have the right to a lease that you can understand with clearly defined rental terms. So, you know, that's important. It's a legal document. You should understand what you're signing. You also have the right, number five, plain language briefing, meaning that somebody's gonna talk to you like a real person and not in a bunch of legal jargon. There's a commercial out right now that talks about yada, yada. They're not gonna talk to you in yada, yada. They are going to plain language explain to you what it is before signing and at the 30 days after move-in. So you have that right to have those things explained to you and also to have access or to be identified to the military tenant advocate, so your housing advocate, and also to have access to them. Number six, the right to prepare for, so first of all, to prepare for, and to be present at move-in and move-out inspections. One thing that was happening was people were, you know, moving out of their home, PCSing, and then housing was saying, oh, well, we'll do the inspection after you're gone. Then they were reporting all of these things saying, okay, well, you know, problem A, problem B, problem C, after the tenant had relocated. And so there was no way to fight it. There was no way to prove it. And so then they were getting hit with these giant bills for damages that may or may not have been actually occurring. So you have the right to be present when they're inspecting it, right? To prepare for it. It's not going to be a surprise move out inspection. You get a chance to prepare for it and you get to be present. Number seven, you have the right to air your concerns without fear of reprisal or retaliation, meaning you can go to your housing advocate. You can go to your command. You can go through the chain in housing without worrying that you're going to face retribution. Number eight, you have the right to use the military tenant advocate, meaning there is somebody at the installation 
who works on your behalf and they do not report to housing, they report directly to your installation command. And their job is to sort of be a mediator when problems arise with housing and say, nope, I'm actually, you know, in my case, hey, I'm actually here to help Heather Campbell navigate this situation. All right, housing office, let's talk between you and Heather Campbell and let's figure out what the issue is, right? So we have that given to us. We have an advocate who literally is there to help us through some of these things that we might not understand or when conflicts arise. Number nine, you have the right to property management services that meet or exceed the industry standard, meaning they don't get to do a half-hearted job and tell you that it's good enough, right? You have the right to have things properly maintained according to the appropriate standards to either meet or exceed. I mean, that would be ideal, right? Exceed the standard that's expected. You also have the right to multiple convenient ways to communicate. And I love that they specifically included convenient, not just saying, you know, you have the right to multiple means of communication, like no convenient things. Like don't tell me the office is open between 1145 and 113 and tell me that's when I'm supposed to contact them, right? So you have the right to have multiple ways, either email or phone call or a a resident portal, but you should have multiple ways that you can get in contact with your housing team or your maintenance team if you need something. Number 11, you have the right to access for an electronic work order system, meaning that you put in a work order and it gets a number and it gets tracked and you can see, oh, Heather Campbell called about the insects. Let's see if somebody's come out to spray. They can't just say, oh yeah, we looked at that and we fixed it and there's no record, right? Because as you can see, when you're, you're hearing all of these things to all of you who are listening, or if you're reading it you know, for yourself, there is a reason for each one of these to be included. And it's not an outlier when you think of statistics, right? It's not, oh, well, there was this one random story of this one thing that happened. No, these are the 18 things that made the cut of saying, yep, these were happening frequently enough that we need to address it and make sure that these are being communicated, right? So One of them was that people were making work orders that just weren't getting done or were getting marked off. And so, you know, the companies were checking that box saying, yep, we're maintaining these homes. Yep, Department of Defense continue to pay us. But in reality, these families were not being cared for and their homes were not being cared for and they were not safe, right? So that's a big thing is making sure that these families are staying safe, both from a safety standpoint, you know, from intruders, but also from things like insects or things like fire hazards or things like mold, right? So making sure that our military families are staying safe so that our military members can focus on the mission. Okay, number 12, you have the right to either prompt and professional maintenance and repair or to be informed of the timeline of the repair. So maybe it's not prompt, maybe it's, yep, we've got to order that. For any of you who've been listening for any length of time, we lived very far away in interior Alaska. Sometimes when you have to order something, it it came on a barge across the Gulf of Alaska and across the Pacific Ocean. No, I'm not joking. I know you might be laughing. Or it came, you know, like on a train across the continent. So um, sometimes things came on an airplane, which was lovely, but sometimes it legitimately was a two-week lag time if you had to order a part. So that would be an instance where housing would need to say, okay, Mrs. Campbell, your part has been ordered and it should be here at this date, right? Now with that, if you are going to have a lengthy repair, then you also have the right, this is still in that same that same number in the Bill of Rights, you have the right to be relocated into suitable lodging at no cost to you. So if there is something that is making your home unsafe for you to stay in, then your housing team is responsible for relocating you and not charging you for it, okay? So that is important to know. Again, there's a reason that this one made the list. Next, number 13, you have the right to receive advice from military legal assistance. So if you're having a question about your lease, if you're having a question about a dispute, you can go to the legal team on your installation And you can ask for help, right? You have that right to say, hey, legal team, can you help me with this? 
Can you help me understand it? Can you help, you know, have this conversation with me? Can you help? You have that right to get their help. Number 14, you have the right to a formal dispute resolution process, meaning when there is a conflict, when there is something that needs to be resolved, you have the right to a formal process. There's steps, there they go sequentially, there's a whole order and a process, and it's not something that's sort of made up or something that's done in conversation only. It is standard. There are steps to follow. And sometimes, yes, that can slow things down. However, it is formal and it is tracked and it is an entire process to make sure that you are getting everything that you're supposed to be getting and that there's time to review it and that you're not just being dismissed. And likewise, that false claims aren't coming against these companies as well, right? So there's a whole formal process. Number 15, you have the right to have your BAH, so your housing payments, set aside while you're in a dispute. So if you're disputing something with the housing company, they can't keep collecting your housing money and not resolving this problem, right? And being like, oh yeah, we're disputing it and they're continuing to collect your housing. No, that gets set aside. So you have the right to have that, not necessarily pause, not necessarily stopped, but to have it segregated, to have it set aside while you're formally in the dispute process. Number 16, you have the right, again, this one, the, the fact that it even made the list, uh, you have the right to the reasonable advance notice that someone's going to come into your home. Installation command, the landlord, housing staff, anyone else, unless there's an emergency or you know concern of abandonment, they got to let you know that they're coming. They can't just waltz on in your house any old time. So you know, again, that made the list for a reason. So that's a good one. Number 17, you have the right to not pay non-refundable fees or have application of rent credits arbitrarily held, meaning they can't just say that something doesn't count or that you can't get it refunded or, oh, well, you're going to have a pet. So we automatically charge, you know, $500 if you have a pet and you don't get it back. No, privatized military housing cannot do that. If you have a pet, then it's more of a deposit. And then we say, hey, you didn't make any damage or, you know, your pet didn't cause damage. Here's your deposit back, right? So I think, again, there's a reason this one is on here, but saying, hey, they can't just keep your money or tell you it's non-refundable and that you're out of luck. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. And then the last one, number 18, you have the right to expect common documents, forms, and processes across housing units for all installations across the Department of Defense. Again, this one made it on there for a reason, but if you are moving around from state to state, from installation to installation, maybe even between different branches of military, right? You're at a joint base, or maybe you get assigned to a, a joint job, or you're filling a billet for another branch. You have the right to have the housing be very familiar and similar across all of those. So you're not going to get any surprises of, well, that might be how it is at a Marine base, but that's not how we do it here at the Air Force base, right? Like that's, no, that's not a thing. We have the right to have some pretty common practices so that that does not become one of the additional stressors for military families is, oh, we're going to relocate. We're going to do all of this. And now I have to learn this entire new base's rules and lease and, and read their things in their tricky language. No, we have the right to have that pretty standard across the board. Now, again, all of these rights in this tenant bill of rights, they're on there for a reason. There was some reason that when they determined this, when they did these investigations, when they read these reports, that the Department of Defense said, we need to be very clear on these 18 items, right? All that to say, companies aren't perfect. Tenants aren't perfect. Installations aren't perfect. There are still lots of problems and there are still lots of things that aren't going the way that they should be, which is why it's wonderful to have a document like this that gives us that guidance of exactly what to expect and sort of where, you know, if you've ever heard somebody say like, stay in your lane or, or where your left and right are, right? This, this is telling us, okay, what are those boundaries and how do we know when somebody has crossed them 
And if a boundary is crossed, where do we go? How do we resolve it? So all of that is laid out in the tenant bill of rights. And any tenant, so you know, if you're living in military housing and you're seeking assistance with housing issues, talk to your housing office, talk to your installation leadership and your chain of command. That is why they're there. Talk with your tenant advocate. All of those exist ideally to represent you and to make sure that you and your family are being cared for well and appropriately based on all of these, you know, sort of pre-written agreements. Most of the housing companies, when this came out, they had all agreed to these 18 things. So this wasn't like just a a stamp that came down from the DOD of, oh, you've got to do these things now, right? Like they sort of met and, and came to an agreement. Hey, these are our expectations of our service members, what they're getting from you as our privatized housing companies. And the housing companies are like, yep, got it. We agree. Those are good ones. So this has been predetermined. So again, make sure that you've got a copy of this. Make sure that you are checking on these things. I know for myself as a tenant, I've had some of these things violated. I've had these things violated since the Tenant Bill of Rights came out. So it's important to know what those expectations are because then you can know what to do next and how to manage those if something goes wrong. So to review, our Tenant Bill of Rights, it exists to help us know where that left and right lane are, what our rights are as tenants, what we should be expecting from our housing companies. It came from a whole lot of housing companies not doing things right. And eventually it made it to a report. It made it to Congress. Department of Defense said, okay, companies get in line. This is what our expectation is. And again, this is a great follow-up to that three-part series that we had about legislative action and when and how and where should you be involved in the legislative process as a military community member and how can you impact ultimately those decisions and policies that are impacting your daily life and the life of the people around you in your community. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. We appreciate the feedback and comments that you share with us as we support the military community. Thank you for being part of the Mill Housing Nation. We appreciate you. The Mill Housing Nation is where you will always have a community no matter where you are stationed.